0: On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, it's a big guest day. We've got Howard Beck, Locked On contributor, GQ sports writer, and of course, longtime NBA reporter and writer. It's a ton of fun. We dig into all the biggest offseason questions for the Raptors. Let's get to it without further ado. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, like because when I shot, it, I expected to make it, so like I don't shoot trying kind to of miss. So. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, May the 2nd, and I'm your host Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. You can go follow the show on Instagram at LockedOnRaptors and, most importantly of all, join the LockedOnRaptors Discord server. The link is in the description whether you're listening on audio or watching on video. It's a ton of fun, and I hope to see you in there. We're over 50 people now just hanging out Talking ball in the locked on Raptors Discord community. Okay, on today's show, as I promised off the top, and as I've been promising for a couple days now, Howard Beck, the wonderful NBA reporter, regular appearer on shows like The Low Post, also uh, writing for GQ Sports right now, and as it stands right now, a locked on contributor during the, during the playoffs and offseason. Uh, and we got Howard Beck on the show to talk about the Raptors' big offseason questions. Have the Toronto Raptors lost their fastball in the front office? Is building from the middle crazy? Actually, Howard doesn't think so. We're going to get to all of it on today's episode. Let's get to it now. The conversation with Howard Beck. All right, joining me now on a network where there is only podcasters who do podcasts all the time. I'm joined by the podcastingist man at the Locked On Podcast Network now. It is Howard Beck, also writing over at GQ Sports, acclaimed NBA reporter, insider. Howard, it's wonderful to have you back on the show. How are you? Uh, good morning, Sean. It's great to see you. I'm doing
1: well. Uh, I'm afraid at some point there might be some sort of like locked on burnout uh, from the <laughs> locked on listeners. I have been uh, I'm there. There's uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm maxing out my uh, my locked on minutes here, but uh, glad to be with you.
0: I mean, the people will uh, gladly accept a change of pace from me in their face just yelling <laughs> like a like a Muppet uh, <laughs> just uh, for 30 minutes at a time. So. Let's begin here, Howard. I mean, lots to dig into with this Raptors offseason, and it's kind of by design, it seems almost. I guess that's where we can start. The Raptors front office has given themselves seemingly a very difficult task. It's like going into a figure skating event being like, I'm going to land the quad today. It's a really difficult thing they've done. They've got three pending UFAs. One of whom they acquired at the deadline for a first round pick going out next year they have uh, a coaching search to undergo and and figure out who's going to take over for nick nurse they have a 13th overall pick which is very important considering the lack of depth and lack of young sort of shadow core talent on the roster and then they have potential extensions or perhaps even trades for two of their three or four best players in og Ananobi and pascal siakam I guess, like, what's the perception from the outside from those who are looking in to the Raptors right now? Have they put themselves in, like, such a bind that they almost seem like they're out of their minds? Or is there sort of a sense of, eh, it's Messiah, you'll figure it out?
1: This is when I come in and I walk the fine line between um, nuanced perspective that tries to <laughs> calm a given fan base versus sounding like I'm just being completely dismissive of them. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk this razor. <laughs> to say that while i understand like raptors fans probably are very frustrated with the entire uh you know kind of scenario that you just laid out Mm -hmm. you just described most of the nba like um there are a handful of teams who know exactly who they are and exactly where they're going and everybody else and then there's you know there's even some really bad teams that are like there's no urgency because we're bad we were expected to be bad and we're in some sort of a stage of rebuild and everybody's going to be patient. We don't have to really worry about it. But this fat middle of the league, which, by mm-hmm. the way, the entire league is the middle now, it
0: seems like. It's like, like- 75% of the league. <laughs>
1: yes, because we don't have super teams. Uh, we don't have anybody who's truly horrific anymore. Like the, the middle was really big this year. It's why we had you know parity slash mediocrity. So what you've described is basically most teams are in some – Version of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of teams in the East, frankly, like even if you want to let's look at the like the optimistic view of like the Pacers. All right, well, you know, they got Tyrese Halliburton and you know they've drafted well, and um they got some good pieces, and but they're not good yet. And so mm-hmm. you could say, Well, but yeah, right, but what are they doing from here? And it's been X number of years since since they've really been that relevant. The Hawks, you know, go to the conference finals and then, you know, are nice spirited, you know, push against the Celtics in the first round this year. But all right, they're out again. Like, you know, they've got Trey Young, who's supposed to be one of the best, you know, guards in the league and, um, you know, some really good players around him. And they made a big trade for just DeJohn- like every team's got some combination of like, we've got some good, but not great. And we've, we're, you know, we're, we're we don't know what the next step is. And like, it's just most of the league. Trust me on this. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm, you know, with the Raptors, I'm looking at just kind of the last few years, and I just kind of before we came on, I was just kind of you know kind of clicking year to year for a second, just to kind of remind myself of how much has happened. So it's a lot. The championship, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. The championship seems like a long time ago. I get it. Uh, it's 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 been four years, which is hard to believe. But they win a championship in 2019. The guy who was the linchpin of that championship leaves. All right, that's fine. That's the bargain everybody was willing to strike and happy mm-hmm. with the results. The world shuts down the next year. They lose to the Celtics in seven in the second round. They still have Lowry, Gasol, Baca, this aging core of the title team, minus Kawhi. <laughs> then you go into a weird year in Tampa, miss the playoffs, they draft Scotty Barnes, they finally trade Lowry. They've, they've now completely moved past the championship team. So it's only been two years since you really started to, um, you know, unpack or dismantle the last vestiges of the title team to say, okay, we've got a new era. What is the new era about? And granted, there's carryover still with Van Vliet and Siakam, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's only been two years really that they just started to, to, to pursue a different path. And that path began with drafting a guy in Scotty Barnes, who uh, you know, wins rookie of the year, who who the, the league falls in love with and everybody thinks has a really bright future. They lose in the first round to the Sixers last year. They have a 41 41 season this year. Like things have kind of plateaued a little bit, but plateaued from what? Plateaued from a title team that had to be dismantled because the key player left and Mm -hmm. the other guys were all old. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, this this is just how it goes. By the way, if you want to look at the history of teams that win championships, and especially teams that, a lot of teams that won multiple championships, there's always this franchise hangover where trying to figure out once the superstar who got you that title leaves or retires, trying to figure out what's next is really hard. It, it's like the hardest thing to do in this league is, is to, to get the superstars who can uh, single-handedly elevate you in the first place. Once you've lost them trying to find the next guy. I mean, how many years did they go with, with, you know, the, the Lowry DeRozan configuration thinking, well, we're good, but not good enough, but we'll, we'll take some thrills along the way.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: those guys weren't even, you know, top 10 type players, or top, certainly not top five type players. They were never going to be MVP. They're not Kawhi or Durant or LeBron. So where they are now is kind of to me the natural consequence of 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 everything I just went through from the, from a championship to all the things that they had to do in the wake of it to try to figure out what's next once Kawhi leaves. Um, by the way, Quiet stayed might not be that happy over the last four years either, given what's no. going on in LA. <laughs> I don't know if that's if that's a great silver lining. I mean, they but, win the
0: bubble title. I think probably like, sure that maybe. team would have been.
1: Yeah, maybe yeah, they win one the bubble, more, but yeah, maybe they win one more, but like you know the, the you know. I don't. I'm not sure how many teams, if they knew this would be what Kawhi would be for the last few years, would would say yes. I'll take that version. I'll take yeah. the, I'll take those. You know that consequence. So, um, I don't view where the Raptors are as some sort of like colossal failure even a failure. I think this is the consequence of being in a really strange middle ground that was partially foisted upon you. Um, Kawhi, you know, Kawhi leaving is foisted upon you. The year in Tampa is foisted upon you. The the pandemic, everything that, that's that's gone with that. But doesn't matter, right? The results are what matter. So it comes down to where they are now. And where they are now is, yes, a team with some really good talent, but not great talent, not, mm-hmm. not world-changing talent. They're back to trying to find the guy. They're back to where they were before they acquired Kawhi, in my mind.
0: We've got more with Howard Beck coming up as we dig into the Raptors' decision to let Nick Nurse go, plus off-season questions, who might get traded, all that good stuff. Before we dive into that, however, let me tell you about our friends over at Game Time. Buying tickets for your favorite sports teams or events should not be stressful. It's far too stressful as it stands right now with most of the apps out there, but Game Time makes it so it's easy and super convenient. You can forget planning months in advance because Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, so if you get the urge to go to a baseball game or whatever it might be late in the day you can go on game time and be sure you're going to find yourself a great deal you can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football basketball baseball concerts comedy theater and more and the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less somewhere else game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference you can get images of your seat before you buy and it's just two taps on your phone and in a matter of seconds you've got your tickets and you're all set they're directly sent to your phone as well so you don't got to do the thing where you you scroll through your email a million times at the door, waiting and every had everybody hold up the line behind you, getting all mad at you. Download the GameTime app, create an account and use the code NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code NBA for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean... It would be nice to have kyle lowry or someone of his ilk around because i think if i've come to appreciate anything over the last couple of years especially this year it's uh, boy oh boy kyle lowry sure brought a lot of impact to the table that uh, maybe was underappreciated at the time um As far as this sort of building out of the middle thing, I think Masai Ujiri actually kind of got a lot of flack at his end-of-season presser, sort of talking about, like, we can build from the middle. Like, it's not doesn't take that much, really, to jump from that, as we talked about, like the 75% of the league morass of teams, it's all sort of trying to figure their stuff out, and... You know, I, you know, first of all, your response is music to my ears because I, I get branded as the tos- the toxic positive person <laughs> all the time for like toxic being positive. like, it's not that bad. It's fine, really. Like we're not even one Olympic cycle out yet officially from the Raptors <laughs> winning a championship. We're good. Um, but I, I do think, you know, there's this sort of, as the league has tilted more towards, well, the best way to do this is to hoard a bunch of picks, try to go to the top of the draft and, you know, get lucky and move on from there and sort of build your championship that way. I just, I don't feel like it has to be that way or nothing, right? And I feel like the Raptors, if anything, they have a track record under Masai Ujiri of building from the middle successfully. Yeah. And the thing they didn't have last decade was a fourth overall pick that turned into Scottie Barnes kind of falling into the laps because of the Tampa season and lottery luck. It feels like they're kind of in a better position to build from the middle than your typical, you know, say like the Mavericks, for example, in the years they were trying to figure things out after the the, the Dirk title and all of that. Um, I I guess, where are you at on the idea of building from the middle? I think there's maybe this impression around Toronto that it's like, ah, they've lost their fastball. They can't do it anymore. They're making bad calls all over the place. Uh, To me, this is just like them doing business as usual. Like, Masai's never been a tear-it-down kind of guy. And I don't even know what a tear-down would look like for this team because they owe a first round pick next year you got to be real careful about what you do it it just doesn't seem like a tenable thing and i don't think you should even be trying to do that you have good players on the roster you have scotty Barnes. there's upward growth potential there you would think you would hope Uh, we'll talk about scotty later but it, it feels to me like this whole building from the middle thing seems entirely plausible and there's proof of concept performed by the very people who run the team now still
1: yeah no, uh, they're 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 not. They, they haven't gotten somehow dumber in along the <laughs> way. Like, um, I, I get the impatience by fans. I get I get the anxiety. Um, it, it's it's understandable, and you know you, you want to see a better product out on the court. Um, you had the benefit of having a team that was very very good for a long time, and then great for one season, and the hangovers in this league are always tough. But you know, look, I, I'm I'm one who thought the Raptors should have made a bolder move at the deadline, but mm. it's easy for us on the outside to, to say like, Oh, well, you know, spin off some parts, get some picks back, you know, start replenishing, <laughs> whatever. Um, By the way, free- I
0: was a trade OG for picks guy too. Uh, yeah. So don't worry. And I
1: don't even know if it was OG so much as like Van Vliet or Trent, you know, the guys who were sure. coming up on free agency or, you know, just, or just, you know, even Siakam, maybe, um, mm-hmm. you know, OG is tough because like, all right, you might get a boatload of stuff back, but like, ah, he's still the kind of player you want there when you finally get the guy
0: yeah he's the guy who you regret trading for 20 years if you trade him probably
1: yeah like not because he's going to lead somebody to a championship but because when you finally get the guy
0: Mm -hmm.
1: OG is the guy you want next to the guy um so i it was interesting to me that they doubled down on or or you know the the aqua acquisition was essentially like a, a vote of confidence in the group that they had and look to their credit they were much better after they got him yeah they they certainly saw something there and recognized something legitimate uh and and so the middle build is the middle build's interesting. I've seen teams do this um, over the course of years. The case for the the middle build, if we want to call it that, is tearing down is really hard. You know, like you yeah, you blow it up, send everybody out for picks, all that stuff. Great, fine. Um, it can take multiple, multiple bites at the apple to get the superstar that you really need to launch the, the next era. So that so how many years are you going to do that? Now, how miserable are you as fans mm-hmm. if your team is you know winning 20 25 games a year for multiple seasons because you 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 did the blow it up tanking model hi orlando it, yeah <laughs> i mean or, like how long and Orlando starting to see the outline of something good emerging but it's taken a long long mm-hmm. long time um you know you could do the middle build wrong do it badly ended up like the wizards where you're just like treading water for years and years like i'd rather be orlando right now than washington in a lot of ways sure um so there's like n- no one of these approaches is foolproof. The Thunder have just done one of the best, quickest, most underrated tear it down, blow it up tanking rebuilds in history. The Thunder were just in the playoffs a couple years ago. People have forgotten this. They feel like, Oh, they've been in tanking for no, like the Chris Paul trade, which was, you know, uh, the, the kind of the, the last move to, to kind of dismantle was like just a couple of years ago. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. really hasn't been that long for the Thunder and here they are stocked with great young talent. Now, granted, they had a Paul George to trade to get a Shea Gilgis Alexander and all those picks. Um, they, you know, they they had um, uh, some levers to pull, and they weren't even levers that they wanted to pull. Right when 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 uh, Russ and Paul George won out, you're just you're just doing this out of necessity. But they they did really well in, in the course of doing that. But so you can do it quickly, like that's that's possible. But it's really again, it's a, it's a high degree of difficulty. Um, the benefit of the middle build is you never look like a team that's completely lost in the desert and stars that are looking to either force their way out or go somewhere else in free agency are not looking at you as a hopeless case. They're looking at you and going, you know what? Me plus those guys is actually a title team. Like that's where the nets are right now, right? In my backyard. Mm-hmm. So the nets, they, they didn't want to trade Durant and Kyrie Irving. They, they kind of had to, but they did well enough in those deals that you look at their roster now and you go, well, that's not that great of a roster, but man, a star with those guys would look really good. <laughs> so to 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 be really oversimplified, but that's the case, right? And and you want stars to look at you, and that's how the you know, like that, that's how the the Nets got Durant and Kyrie in the first place. It's how the Clippers got Kawhi and Paul George in the first place. Two teams that essentially did middle builds, right? They got a bunch of really good players. They overachieved. Everybody took notice and said, "Wow." I, I look, look at what those guys are doing. There's something good's going on there. Something, something promising is going on there. And then stars wanted to go. Um, Toronto hasn't necessarily been a destination in the past, but I, you know, it's, this isn't, you know, this isn't 2005 anymore either. So, <laughs> you um, can get ESPN here now, I think, uh, you know, <laughs> through back channels. <laughs> um, I, I just, I just think that, that you have to view yourself as a, as a desirable destination so that everybody else does. Right. If you don't believe it, the players aren't going to believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, in the meantime, maybe Scotty Barnes does make that next leap that everybody is hoping for, and maybe you've already got the guy. That's the other possibility here, right? Um, and I, by the way, in saying all that, I'm not ruling out the idea that they should make some bold moves this summer. Maybe they will. Uh, but I, 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 the middle build has definite uh, 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 appeal uh, yeah. if, if you if you want to look at it that way. You you the, the way you, that you're never. Looked at as a a team that has just completely lost its way. If you're always one move away from being competitive again, respectable again, um, then you know you've you've given yourself a chance because players will consider you in a way that they
0: wouldn't if you just won twenty games. I also love the point you made about the Clippers and Nets kind of breaking expectations and being darling teams. Like that's what you want as a fan is like the opportunity to exceed expectations in a fun way hello kings like that that's like titles are fun and all but uh a surprise upstart team that's the sweet spot uh (laughs) let's um let's talk about nick nurse shall we he's no longer the coach of the toronto raptors and i do think one of the sort of prongs of this middle build plan if that's in fact what the raptors are doing is maybe just like a reimagination of how the roster works and sort of interacts with one another how the team plays game style all that stuff maybe that's what you do before you make grand sweeping decisions about a pascal or a fred or an og or whomever you know it it seemed like it was quick the whole nurse thing coming to an end the way it did like were you surprised at all when it went down do you like agree with the Raptors' decision-making here to sort of, after a lot of success with Nick Nurse, decide, you know what, this is the time. Things were just a little too sour this year. I think there's some stuff coming out about, um, you know, Doug Smith's reporting over at the Star, for example, kind of digging into the interlocker room dynamics and Nick Nurse's involvement in all of that. Um, it seemed like it was time from the outside, but curious, you know, you obviously talk around the league, you're very plugged in, you know what's up. Like, what, what was the sort of impression of the Nurse thing? Did this kind of come out of nowhere, or was this telegraphed, and was this maybe the right move for the Raptors at the time they're at right now? It wasn't
1: surprising um, in the sense that, you know, you could see the writing was kind of on the wall. There were rumblings for months. Uh, I I don't, I don't think anybody was shocked by that. you know, there is a sense sometimes that that things run their course with a coach, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if you're one of the all-time greats, maybe you're, you're you're 10, 15 years, or if you're Popovich, you're, you know, a quarter century. But most <laughs> coaches at a certain point, and coaches themselves will talk about this, like their voice starts to lose its impact. Mm-hmm. And this isn't the exact same. Uh, this is not the exact same group that he began with, but he's had some of these core key guys for you know, his entirety as head coach and even previous to that as, as an assistant coach with some of them. So I I think, you know, when you have kind of flatlined and you're looking for all these levers to pull, it's not that Nick nurse is the reason that they have had a couple of disappointing years to me, you know, 99% of the time, or, you know, 95% of the time um, when a team is, is kind of, you know, going through choppy waters, you just don't have the talent. And yep. if you have the talent, maybe you don't have the chemistry. And I think the Ra- that's the thing about the Raptors that's like been really interesting to me. Like I look at that team, and I think, I think I don't think they should be great, but I think they should be a little bit better than they are. Like the mm-hmm. talent and the names on on the page suggest, not not that they should be ten wins better, but that they, you know, but they should have been a little better, right? Like they should have been more competitive. They should you know, have been forty eight dig- a year ago, right? Like yeah. <laughs> not they should long have to, ago. Yeah, then they should have had to dig their way out of that hole. So then, you—if if chemistry is the is the issue—and that's how I view this broadly speaking. I think like the Raptors. One, you don't have. I always say this: like when you have the superstar, everybody else is in a better position, right? Nobody mm-hmm. has to 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 uh, go beyond their own abilities. And when you don't have that one player to make everything else make sense, then everybody looks a little worse. Or you're counting on—and the Raptors have done this in the in the past to their credit—you're counting on everybody totally maximizing exactly who they are and being in almost perfect sync with each other. That better than the sum of your parts kind of model, right? This ensemble model. It's really hard to pull off year after year because at some point talent matters more. And at some point somebody decides, well, we're not an ensemble. I'm actually kind of the the the, the key piece of this, you know? And, and sometimes it gets things off kilter. So if chemistry is the issue, and I think broadly speaking to me, that's what it was, some combination of that and lack of, a, of one key, you know, uh, one... Uh, focused superstar then you start looking at the coach like okay you know if we're trying to be better than some of our parts the coach is the one who needs to to, to find the right balance to get that out of these guys so to me all of that kind of points in the direction of okay maybe it's just time for a new voice there that said i don't think anybody they bring in um and you know all the all the names are out there and you know there may be others that emerge over time Mm -hmm. but i don't think that a coaching change is going to be the thing that fixes this, right? They still don't have, you know, the superstar level talent that um, makes everything else make sense. So there's a chicken and egg problem here to me, which is that they're going to hire the coach in the near term. Most likely that's usually how these things go Hmm. before you really know what your roster is. And maybe they do know what the roster is. Maybe they don't think they're making dramatic moves, but if you're, if this is the summer where you're trading Siakam, or the summer where you're, or where Van Vliet is walking away, or whatever the, the major move might be, if there is one, the resulting team is the team that you want the coach to fit, mm-hmm. not the roster as it stands today on May 2nd. So that to me is, is kind of a quandary.
0: We will round out the show with Howard Beck coming up in just a sec. Should the Raptors look at trading Pascal Siakam this summer? We'll get into that question and more before we do that however got to tell you about our friends over at prize picks which is the place to go if you're looking to play daily fantasy sports and there is no better time as the sports are sportsing very aggressively you got the nhl playoffs the nba playoffs and of course the major league baseball season up and running the wnba season gets rolling here very soon as well the wnba canada game next weekend crazy all of it is available on prize picks. All you got to do is pick two to six players in any game that's going on in a given night, and whether they'll get more or less than their projection in a given stat. If you get them all right, you can win up to 25 times your money on your entry. That is an incredible, incredible way to go about playing your daily fantasy sports. Prize picks, they offer. Every sport under the sun, I talked about the big ones, but also overseas sports, cricket, NASCAR, F1, it's all in there for you. And they are super, super easy to use. You can get your entry in in 60 seconds or less. You get safe and fast withdrawals. And they're currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada and every province except for Ontario. Download the PrizePicks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit matchup to $100 with the promo code LOCKED ON. Don't forget to enter that promo code LOCKED ON at sign up for an instant deposit matchup to $100 with prize picks. Yeah, and I mean back to the sort of top where we talked about the 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 way they've kind of painted themselves into this corner almost with the moves they have and their financial flexibility kind of being tied up with the 3 UFAs like I feel like you don't set that self set that up for yourself if you don't have, like, an idea of how things are going to play out in the summer. Like, you don't have an idea of where Fred's leaning or what you want to do with Gary Trent Jr. And yeah. it seems like Yak is kind of a foregone conclusion to come back. That's very nice. We all love Yak and Pirtle, but that creates fit issues potentially with uh, his best pal on the team and Pascal Siakam. And, and so you mentioned the idea of trading Siakam. Let's talk about that, shall we? Yeah. Um, I will put it out there. I am far too emotionally attached to Pascal Siakam's career (laughs) arc to have a clear headed thought on this. Like he's just, you know, been covering him since he started in the league. And, you know, he's just a, a player who I really, really like watching spin dudes into oblivion you know the argument's there the fit issue you know i think there's a world in which him and scotty barnes are wonderful fit to one another but when you throw in a non-shooting center in the form of pertle that gets a little bit more tricky yeah. unless one or both of them can step up their their, their three-point stroke which i think is a thing that could happen for pascal he's done it in the past he's been a 35 36 percent guy in the past he you know stepped up the mid-range game this season all of that like I, I feel like of the two he's the more likely to figure out how to effectively stand in the corner and make things happen from a different spot on the floor than scotty who i think it's going to take a lot longer to figure out and maybe you want the ball in his hands more often because he's like this visionary genius passer anyway pascal this summer He's up for an extension. That that that's there too. Um, he could wait and see if he can make All NBA next season. He's the kind of guy who plays a lot of games. Maybe he benefits from the new rules around All NBA next year. Maybe he wants to bet on himself and see if he can get that super max. I don't think he's going to be All NBA this season. Um, you know, th- there's the argument that you extend him now and figure it out later and trade him while he's got more money more years on his deal so like a contender looking around says hey like he's controllable let's go get that guy he's got three four years left the other idea is maybe this is the time before his last season of his deal um you go in and you just you you bite the bullet and try to get back some stuff to balance out the roster I don't think Masai Ujiri ever ever really has an appetite for trading a good player for worse players. I don't think he has much of an appetite for trading a good player for picks, frankly. Like, he's said as much, like, pretty plainly. Um, So with all of that in mind, like, do you see a Pascal deal, a destination out there that makes sense for both sides? Like, I've had a hard time sort of piecing this one together. um, But, you know, it's certainly, there are reasons to look at it as much as it might make me want to curl up in the fetal position under my desk for a little while thinking about it.
1: I mean, I I haven't gotten in the weeds starting playing with trade machines and everything to figure out like a, you know, a Pascal Siakam destination. A smart man, by the way, Uh Uh, (laughs) (laughs) might consume the entire day. Um, (laughs) I, you know, he's obviously a very, very good player who, when they won the championship, you thought, wow, well, if Kawhi leaves and, you know, Kawhi leaves, um, maybe Siakam steps into you know more of a lead role maybe he's got mm-hmm. that that ability and i think what we've seen obviously since then is like no he's, he's a really great you know complimentary star and mm-hmm. you know and he's and he's a guy who's not a year in year out star right he's more in that you know um oh, sorry the first name that comes to mind is like chris middleton who like you know has his all-star years and his non-all-star years is his years when we consider him for all nba and, and years where we don't like he's not sure. consistently going to be you know at, at that elite level uh, but there's a lot of really good things that he does and he's a really valuable player and he's a good guy and yeah you you kind of want to keep him um but he's among their more appealing trade pieces if if they decide to truly pivot um so it it just gets back to the same philosophical question about roster building which is Mm. um are you standing pat with your your basic core just trying to be competitive and biding your time waiting for something to happen either maybe the 13th pick becomes Somebody really good. Maybe you found the diamond in the rough. Maybe you you find this year's, you know, Donovan Mitchell. This year's Tyrese Halliburton. Whatever, you know, guys who have been picked in like, you know, the the uh, later part of the lottery who, you know, unexpectedly pop. And you're you're trying to find that diamond in the rough. <laughs> Shea just Gilgis- Alexander, another one. Um, mm-hmm. may- maybe maybe it's Scotty Barnes. Maybe it's maybe it's this thirteenth pick coming up. Um, maybe maybe you win the lottery, or maybe maybe that maybe the lottery balls, uh, you know, the, the <laughs> basketball guides smile on you and you jump jump up to the top four. Um, or you're keeping, you're staying the course with your guys and you're waiting to be opportunistic as they were before. Right. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the league is now in that mode. I, I think not that they've all learned from the Kawhi deal specifically, although that's certainly a really important data point in this, but I think a lot of the league, look at what the Knicks are doing, right? Like, sure. The Knicks did try to swing for the fences and go for Durant and Kyrie four years ago and are probably feeling fortunate that they did not, uh, quote unquote, win that particular <laughs> contest, but they went that route missed loaded up with other guys on 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 reasonable contracts um and since that time you know they've they've collected extra draft picks they signed jalen brunson using cap room he's far exceeded expectations julius Randle, you know look sometimes he's all nba and sometimes he's you know a really frustrating player but they're in a position right now where are they are they really built to win a championship i would say no but Mm -hmm. they've gotten fortunate and um They've they've overachieved a bit, and here they are in the second round. Maybe they even make the conference finals. Who knows? The way that the Celtics are playing, uh, the the path may be open for the <laughs> Knicks to beat the Celtics or Sixers in the in the conference finals and go to the. Who the
0: heck? Knows? What is going on, Howard? I don't The know. playoffs are crazy. The they're dry, are they're so so weird. nuts. It's I don't.
1: Nuts. <laughs> the Celtics, I don't understand at all. Like I'm completely yeah. confounded by them. Um, but the point being, the Knicks are in a position where they don't. Chart out as a championship caliber team because they don't have the star uh, type talent. They don't have the marquee talent, but they're in a position where they can be opportunistic. And I think a lot of teams are in this mode right now, right? The Nets mm-hmm. are just looking, biding their time, waiting for that move that they can make to consolidate some of their assets. Um, there's, you know, like, there, you know, and there's a bunch of teams that are, that are, that are, I think, in a, in a tougher position than that. But there are versions of this existing right now in the league. And I think the Raptors are in this category. There's no obvious clear path. You don't want to do the teardown. It's no guarantee of anything anyway. Your cap room doesn't get you anywhere these days most of the time. Um, There are some exceptions, but I think the league has decided that cap room is not the path to redemption. And so a lot of teams are now in this limbo where it's, no, no, no. I'm going to, you know, keep my heels cool. I'm going to um, try to have as many players, good players on reasonable contracts as I can. And hopefully stock pile some extra picks and I'm gonna wait for the next guy who's forcing his way out. I don't know what that cycle looks like this summer. I just know that it always happens. I don't know if it's Carl Anthony Towns. Um, and in his case, maybe not forcing his way out, maybe more just the Timberwolves deciding to move him out. Is Dame <laughs> Lillard ready to, to force a trade? Is Bradley Beal or Bradley Beal and the Wizards finally ready to to have a divorce? Um is there any any truth to rumblings of a of a Trey Young uh ejection right. <laughs> in Atlanta? <laughs> um I don't know, but I feel like this is the mode a lot of teams are in now. Be respectable in the near term. Try to win as many games as you can, even knowing you've got a ceiling. And try to be opportunistic. Wait for the next star to become available and hope that you're the team that's in a good position to make the deal.
0: And the trouble there is the Raptors don't have all their picks. Like, they're not winning any bidding wars for the next no. star. And I think that yak trade, if there are, like, detractors of the yak trade, which there are certainly plenty, uh, it's that. It's like you, you sort of handcuff yourself going forward a little bit for those opportunistic deals, which kind of leads. Lastly, Howard, I don't want to take too much more of your time. We'll quickly go out on this. You know, maybe the best pathway here for the Raptors is what they've kind of telegraphed they want to do, which is overlap Pascal Siakam's late prime with Scotty Barnes's early prime, and a lot hinges on Scotty Barnes kind of getting there at some point. You know, this year I think sort of if you look at the raw numbers, it seems like a bit of a disappointment because it, it looks like there's stagnation there a little bit. Um, I think sort of. Looking at him every day, there was a lot of stuff he got better at, sort of, that doesn't appear on the box score, like, you know, connective stuff, working as a middle-of-the-floor operator, that type of thing. Um, His defense, I think, really kind of rounded into form in the last quarter or so of the season after the Yakup-Pirtle trade. Um, What's the sort of level of belief around the league in Scotty Barnes as, like, a future franchise pillar? Obviously, the Raptors have to have a lot of belief in him because he's their big lottery prize, and that's what you hope to get in the lottery to do, is draft a guy potentially as talented as Scotty Barnes. Um, is it like a a, a a failed, doomed dream to think, hey, this is going to be the guy that carry us, carries us to some sort of contention in the middle of the decade? Or is it, you know, maybe realistic? I, I'm kind of curious, like, what your perception is, what the league's perception is of Scotty Barnes and his ability to be that dude for the Raptors. The problem with the question of, uh, you know,
1: is, you know, fill in the player you know second year player who's 20 21 years old <laughs> uh, in his case 21 going on 22 soon this summer um is this guy ready to be you know the kind of superstar who you can build a team around we rarely know mm-hmm. we re- like it's hard to see coming um and this is really interesting too like w- this has been an interesting year like and also just looking back to the to the early part of the playoffs right Evan mobley just completely shrank in the moment yeah and everybody's talking about Evan Mobley as, you know, he's either Tim Duncan or he's Kevin Garnett or he's a combination or he's this, is that like, how, how confident is anybody feeling about Evan Mobley right now, but that you can't be prisoner of the moment. You're looking at the mm-hmm. outline of, of the guy you drafted, his skill set, his, his, uh, his work ethic, his character, all these other things. And everything I've heard generally speaking about both of these guys who were obviously competing head to head for rookie of the year is that, you know, Uh, people think incredibly highly of both of them and about their trajectory and their, their willingness to work, to, to get there and to be that guy. But you, you still just, you don't know. So Scotty Barnes, nothing has changed, right? Uh, he's still a six, nine, whatever you want to call him. He's a a, a ball handling (laughs) forward, or he's a maybe a future point forward, or maybe he's a secondary playmaker. Um, but he's 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 long and he's rangy and uh and a good guy and you know who's who's got a certain skill set and, and needs to, to work on some things because he's young, mm-hmm. um, but as as soon as anybody get, you know if, if fans are feeling a little bit disappointed, like look no further than the other guy who was he was competing against for rookie of the year just a year ago. Um, this happens. The, like the growth isn't linear uh, in this league, and a lot of guys if you look over the course of, you know, whenever, take any any sample size, last five, 10, 20 years, look at how long it takes for the guys who we think about as perennial all-stars to have made their first all-star team. sure, um, Or, and especially if they're going to rise to the level of all NBA, how, how long it took to get there. It takes time. Um, and so, you know, the real answer to everything we've just talked about is maybe simply the patience it takes and the development it takes and the work that it takes for Scotty Barnes to become the player that it looks like he could be. That would change everything Mm -hmm. uh, because now you have your focal point and now you've got a guy that other stars are are, are that much more, you know, uh, you know, eager to come play with. Um, You you still have other fixes to make, right? Like
0: you still need more shooting. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Shooting. (laughs) (laughs) Who needs that? (laughs) Minor, minor issue. Um <laughs> shooting, I mean up until this year center play, who needs those things, right? Those yeah. classically important things in basketball. Uh, but you're but
1: the but how you build a roster gets a lot simpler once you know who you're building around. And right
0: now that's
1: the open question.
0: Yeah, it's uh I mean they could go a million different directions this summer. I would not be surprised by any of them. We could see uh like a hey, end of the era, trade trading Pascal, letting Fred walk. They could do <laughs> I mean, do they trade Scotty if, like, a star becomes available? Like, it's all there. It's great, Howard. We love it, and we will certainly have you back on as the offseason trudges along as you are working with us here on Locked On for the next little while. We're very, very appreciative and thankful to have you. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time today. Thanks for joining the show. Anything in particular the good people should know about that you've written over at GQ Sports? (laughs) Uh, Got something coming in another
1: day or two, so nothing uh, at this very second, but yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter at Howard Beck, as long as Twitter hasn't imploded yet. Um, (laughs) I have an authory page which is where all of my uh, writing is in fact everything I've written for the last 20 years or so so authory it's like author with a y on the end dot com backslash Howard Beck and it's uh, everything that I'm writing currently for GQ sports plus everything I ever wrote for SI New York Times Bleacher Report it's, uh, it's all there so I uh, appreciate people coming and finding my work there
0: that's a lot of stuff go read Howard's back catalog you've covered basically all the most famous teams in the league over the last 20 years so everyone go do that 26 Howard- but who's counting there you go. <laughs> uh, awesome, Howard. Thank you very much, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow. Uh, not sure what we're going to dig into it yet. That's a little surprise for you. But please go and join the Lockdown Raptors Discord. Link is in the description. Come hang out. We got lots of for the fake trade sickos who want to trade Pascal Siakam or Scotty Barnes. That is the place to drop your ideas. It's a safe place. We won't share them with the public. Come hang out at the Lockdown Raptors Discord. And thank you so much for tuning in. And thanks so much for hanging. Bye bye.